It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Thursday morning. Good morning to you. It is a sticky and warm one out there, but you know we'll we'll take it. Some rain in the Kansas, in through central Kansas yet, and of course yesterday the storms in Grand Island. And uh, got Susan Littlefield here with us. And Susan, you you toured the uh, the harvest area, the Husker Harvest Days area, and you said there was some damage around there, huh? You know, there definitely was. We saw it in, in buildings and in, in a one pivot system. There was even some crops that were laying down um, pretty mm. much flat in some areas. But many of the buildings were, were spared, luckily. They said, Roger and I spoke to him, said 87 mile an hour winds wow. is what they had recorded coming to the showgrounds. So the exhibitors all got emails saying if you have permanent buildings, come check them out. So that's what we did. Now, did you have any of that kind of weather in the surprise area or anything like that? Nope, just some glorious, slow-moving rain. So we'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you got for us today, Susan? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the craziness that's been going on with China. So I'm talking about currency manipulation. We'll get two commodity guys, Mike Zuzalo and Arlen Suderman, talking about that. That's going to take place at 1219. If you were planning to show livestock at the Nebraska State Fair, which hard to believe is just a few short weeks away, there's some new requirements with your health certificates with a 48-hour um, before you arrive at the showgrounds. We'll get more on that from Livestock Superintendent Bill Angel. Then stepping up at 117, Alex will come in talking about tariffs hurt the heartland. They held a conference call. We'll find out more about how that's affecting some huge dollar numbers, by the way, from the month of June. Some more details on that at 117. Mm, mm, mm. Lots going on right now. My goodness. So, Thank you very much, Susan. You have a good day. You too. Thanks. Brandon Bennett's in here with us for sports on this midday, and uh, I don't want to steal your thunder on your second story, so I'll just let you go, and we'll roll into that. We'll tease that. It is. It is big news, especially for those of us who love baseball and love the movie Field Dreams. But before we get to that, have some baseball going on even right here in the heart of KRV and Nation right now. Duncan Field and Hastings hosting the American Legion Mid-South Regional, which is part of the American Legion World Series as you get to there. Two teams from Missouri, a team from Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, and two teams from Nebraska. Hastings Five Point Bank and Fremont, who, by the way, won their first state championship in 72 years. So congratulations goes to Fremont. Fremont won yesterday. However, Hastings fell to Bryant, Arkansas, 3-2. So Hastings is facing off versus Emporia, Kansas, also a loser yesterday. That game's tipped off, uh, well, well, not tipped off. First pitch uh, is about now. And then Fremont takes on Oklahoma at 4.30. And they're building an 8,000 seat grandstand at the site of the Field of Dreams for an actual official Major League Baseball game. The Chai Sox and the Yankees will play there almost a year from now, August of 2020. Oh, that's 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 very cool. Yes, very, very, very cool. cool. All right, Bob Brogan's in here, and uh, stock's up today. Stocks are a little bit higher as investors get back in a buying mood following a day of whiplash brought on by worries about the widening trade war. Also, the International Air Transport Association says passenger traffic grew by a solid 5% in June compared with the same month last year. And a California man has pleaded guilty in Florida to orchestrating a multi-billion dollar fraud scheme. So we'll have stories on those more. 
All right, very good. That's all coming up on Mint. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long and register for your chance to win a brand-new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has running boards and tinted windows. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through the Nebraska Cattlemen. Helping us bring the ram to your town is CHS, creating connections to empower agriculture. Suretop Angus and Charlay, Farnham, and Nutrien Ag Solutions. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. Time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins in here with me on a sticky Thursday and it's kind of some patchy clouds around uh, keeping temperatures down in some places. Exactly. We have uh, the bulk of the clouds over central and eastern areas of Kansas thanks to some leftover rains that moved through those areas last night. Also from about Grand Allen and York and points up towards the north and also to the Nebraska Panhandle. Some partly to mostly cloudy skies across the area, but those dew points are up there. Uh, dew points right now into the low 70s, so if you're thinking it's humid, you notice that humidity, definitely you're right because those dew points are into the low 70s right now. Actual air temperatures in the upper 70s to low 80s. And it, and it probably goes without saying, Captain Obvious moment here, but it has really been humid this direction this year, more so than I remember it in quite a while. Yeah, um, you know, we haven't had extreme humidity, no. but, a little, but it's, it's been, been on a fairly yeah. regular basis. Um, I, I know I can remember some even more humid times when, you know, we've had heat index readings up to 120 in this part of the country. Yeah, that's so. true. We haven't had those. Yeah, exactly. So, and we haven't had the extreme heat, but last night, of course, uh, an active night for storms over central Kansas, central and eastern areas of Kansas. From north central Kansas into central and eastern Kansas at about three to six inches of rain and still raining over southeastern areas of Kansas, mainly from Wichita and points off towards the south and east. We will see more ridge-running thunderstorms remain possible in our forecast through the weekend as our area remains on the outer edge of a ridge of high pressure that's anchored over the southern plains and disturbances track southeast on the outside of that ridge right through our area. The Best chance for some more thunderstorms looks to be with the strong disturbance on Saturday night, but off and on, small thunderstorm chances will continue through the weekend. Some of those storms could be severe. That best potential for severe weather looking to be on Saturday night. Temperatures for today and tomorrow slightly cooler than normal thanks to some cooler air dropping in from the northeast. The flow turns more westerly as we head towards next week with weak disturbances still causing frequent small chances for thunderstorms. Some shots of cooler air will keep our temperatures for the early part of the week, anyhow, near or below normal. But the latest long-term forecast is trending warmer than yesterday's. The middle of next week for Nebraska and Kansas looks seasonal to slightly warmer than normal. The ridge of high pressure of the Southern Plains now forecast to expand north for warmer than normal temperatures by next weekend through August 21st for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the central and eastern U.S. Slightly above normal rainfall is indicated for Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week. Below normal rainfall is forecast by next weekend through the 21st for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the central and eastern U.S., including the Midwest. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska decreased a percentage point to 96% drought-free. With abnormal dryness found right now from West Point to Wahoo and points to the east, Kansas decreased 
10 percentage points to 73% drought-free. It's now normally dry in much of central Kansas, especially from Stockton to Osborne, south to Mead and Anthony, right along the Oklahoma border. Weather factors affecting market decisions include growing dryness in the Midwest and variable conditions in the international crop scene. Cool air will become more fully entrenched across the U.S. the next few days with lingering heat and humidity largely confined to areas from the southern plains into the southeast. The circulation around a ridge of high pressure over the south-central U.S. will result in a ring of fire of thunderstorms stretching from the four corners eastward across the northern and central plains on into the Mississippi Valley and then back down towards the central and east Gulf Coast. In the Midwest, the cool weather for the time being will ease crop stress but also keep crop development very late with concerns continuing to grow about crop maturity prior to the prior, prior to the first freeze. Precipitation will be limited <coughs> Excuse me. in dry areas of the central and eastern Midwest with drought beginning to develop. Across Brazil, dry and hot weather is favoring corn harvest in progress right now. Otherwise, wheat areas of the southern Brazil had only light impact from a brief round of freezing temperatures in the past week. Western, northern, and eastern Europe crop areas continues to see periods of rain forecast through the weekend, while southern Europe will be dry. Russian Ukraine crop prospects will continue to be favorable. The eastern, eastern Russia crop weather will be mixed in the next week. Rain has eased the drought in the western areas by intensifying heat and dryness are noted in the eastern and southern growing areas. Well, I tell you what, uh, meteorology is getting uh, getting pretty cool uh, lately. We've got to ridge running thunderstorms and a ring of fire. Yes, uh, it's, uh, it's something that does uh, tend to set up, especially this time of year, because you get that ridge of high pressure mm-hmm. set up across the central south central U.S. And then those, yeah, that monsoon flow of moisture really starts to accentuate it. That monsoon flow of moisture coming up from the desert southwest, and then that moisture riding up and over that ridge. Of course, underneath the ridge of high pressure, hard to get any showers and thunderstorms going. But on the outer edges, which we are on right now, we'll continue to see those thunderstorm chances going. All right. (laughs) That's pretty cool. All right. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Paul, where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. Is it the butterfly effect in the markets? That's the key question we explore here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. First, let's define what the butterfly effect is, which comes to us from the chaos theory. In chaos theory, the butterfly effect is the sensitive dependence on the initial conditions in which a small change in one state of a deterministic, nonlinear system can result in a large difference in a later state. Change out chaos theory for volatility, and you have the current picture of the marketplace. To say this week has been volatile in the markets by some might be an understatement. The flap of the butterfly's wings that set off this chain of events started late last week when President Trump announced more tariffs on China. Then China retaliated against the U.S. by devaluing its currency. Chief economist for INTL FC Stone, Arlen Suderman, explains that all these events lead to swings in almost every market. It really is. It's a very closely intertwined market system that we have. It's all tied to the money flow. Billions of dollars of money in the ag commodity markets is tied to uh, the money in the other markets as well. And it really comes down to the fact that this uh, trade war has really escalated over the past week. And it is is done so, first starting with President Trump putting on 10% tariff on $300 billion worth of goods coming from China. It's the rest of the stuff that did not have a U.S. tariff on it prior to this. That's $30 billion in tariffs. 
that's a pretty small impact on our economy. The $30 billion cost on a $20-plus trillion economy. But the bigger cost is with the escalation of the trade war, which China followed up by devaluing its currency. As this thing keeps escalating is corporations have been putting on hold their capital expenditures. In other words, not investing like they would be otherwise in this growing economy. That in itself has a negative impact on the economy and begins to show slower GDP. That creates some panic and some fear, causing stock market to plummet. Now, we also had interest, a big interest rate cut in New Zealand overnight. I believe it was 50 basis points, also a big cut in Indonesia and another Asian country. It slips mine right now. Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics points out that this started with the Federal Reserve. The Fed policy leads the other central banks' policies around the world. Why did we get the 2018 rally in the, in the commodity sector, including the agriculture markets? Was it because of lower uh, supplies? No, not really. It was really because the Federal Reserve policy changed and they went back to a normalization. They stopped building up their balance sheet. They stopped cutting interest rates and instead went through a progression of raising interest rates incrementally. They essentially gave the commodity funds the all-clear that normalization meant. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880. KRVN. Time for us to take a look at sports. Brandon Minutes in here in the studio, and uh, kind of a downtime for sports. You know, they, in fact, ESPN did their ESPN the Ocho. Some of their games yesterday was hilarious to watch. Uh, the walking up the slippery stairs was one of the favorite things I've done. My favorite was when they were trying to play a version of ping pong. They were on a ping pong table. But it was well reinforced because you were using a volleyball <laughs> as the ball and you were using your head as the paddle. Oh. So it was head, butt, volleyball, ping pong, wow. where guys would crawl up onto the table, strike the ball as if it were playing ping pong, and then it really got crazy when they tried to play doubles. Uh, yeah, it would. And I, I have no more sense of it than that i did enjoy watching the dodgeball mm. tournaments that they were watching evidently the u.s came back they had a big hole against the canadians yes, and yes came back you know with them. the american dodgeball association of america you know they came back and you know and no it, word though on how super joe's did well but what a great uh, memorial for uh, rip torn who yeah. of course died just right. a little bit you know he taught us that if you can uh, dodge, dodge the, the wrench you can, can dodge, dodge the ball, ball. Yeah. that's right all right go ahead they say in real estate, only three factors matter. Location, 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 and as you mentioned, kind of a slow time for this uh, period of time. So we're talking baseball, baseball, and baseball. The American Legion Mid-South Regional, that's the regional that the winner goes to the actual World Series. This is the play-in for the, the American Legion World Series. Started yesterday, continues through Sunday at Duncan Field in Hastings. State champions from Arkansas, Kansas, two from Missouri. 
Oklahoma, Texas, as well as Hastings, Five Point Bank, and Fremont competing for a spot to get to the aforementioned American Legion World Series. Yesterday's winners, Coetta out of Oklahoma, Festus out of Missouri, no relation to Uncle. Wait, 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 wait. Have you been to Festus, Missouri? I can neither confirm nor deny my appearance in Festus, Missouri. Fremont tops Sedalia, Missouri, which I have been to many times because it is the home of the Missouri State Fair. Unfortunately. Uh, Fremont, who we mentioned at the roundtable, first team from Fremont to win the state championship in 72-73 years. So incredible accomplishment there for Fremont. Well done, fellas. They topped Sedalia, Missouri 8-2, and then Hastings 5 points bank fell to Bryant, Arkansas 3-2 yesterday. Today's matchups, Hastings games currently underway this hour versus Emporia, Kansas in the bottom bracket. That game uh, first pitch was at 11-30. Then Fremont takes over, takes on the team from Coweta, Oklahoma at 4-30. They have built it. And now they are coming. Speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball is heading to Dyersville, Iowa in 2020. Chicago White Sox and New York Yankees announced earlier today that the two teams will play an official big league game. This is not an exhibition game. It will count for all the records. An official Major League Baseball game at the Field of Dreams movie site coming up on August 13th, 2020. So... You know, Dyersville is close enough to KRV and Nation. I wonder what the uh, travel budget is for us. Absolutely. We'd be able to have a presence there. They're building an 8,000-person grandstand. Now, if you've ever been there, which I have not, but if you have ever been there, you have seen that first row of corn relative to home plate is only about 220, 230 feet out. It's not a major league size ballpark. So that's the one question that I have. The bases are still 90 feet the mound is still 60 feet, 6 inches. But in terms of the first row of corn, the outfield wall, so to speak, is only about 230 out. So I'm curious as to how they will work with that. So Iowa is actually going to have a field of dreams. And, of course, that based off of the 1989 Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Be, uh, centering around, you think it's about the 1919 Black Sox. But no, no. It's a father-son movie. Football stadiums have also been built, and now football is coming, not only to Las Vegas, but 11 NFL teams are on tap. 11 NFL games are on tap tonight. You can't have 11 NFL teams because you have to have two to play a game. The first full night of preseason play in football. April's top overall draft pick quarterback Kyler Murray will make his preseason debut for Arizona when the Cardinals host the Chargers. And I mentioned this yesterday. Season finale between the Boston Red Sox, Kansas City Royals actually went better for the Royals than I had planned. However, it was suspended by rain with a score tied 4-4 in the top of the 10th inning. We have mentioned several times the storm front that came through and caused all the damage yesterday early morning right here in Nebraska. Husker Harvest Days et al. That same storm front then pushed into the Kansas City area, and that's what caused the rain delay yesterday in Kansas City. The game will be made up or I should say continued, it will be continued where it left off, a 2-1 count in the 10th, and it will be made off made on a mutual day off for both teams August 22nd at 105. And if you saw it, Kansas City Royals speedster Billy Hamilton so fast that the first base umpire couldn't believe it because he made not one but two mistakes. First base umpire Mark Carlson twice in the first four innings of yesterday night's game ruled him out. But Hamilton was actually safe. Both of them got overturned. It's <laughs> like the old Rakib Ishmael, or was it Rocket Ishmael? Rocket, was, well, whatever uh, you want to say. Rakib, and then there was his brother, 
Quadri. Cadre. Cadre, that's it, from Notre Dame and Syracuse, respectively. You can't hit what you can't catch, and you can't catch what you can't see. In this case, Billy Hamilton couldn't be seen because he was safe both times. No word from our Iowa favorite umpire, Don Denkinger, on what he feels about the guy being safe at first base. Well, he is fast. Thank you very much, Freddie. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors. The Nebraska Corn Board. Nebraska Land National Bank. And the Nebraska Soybean Board, powering our Ag News travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story. Hastings 22nd Annual Kool-Aid Days is themed Jamaican Me Smile and will once again feature the world's largest Kool-Aid stand this Friday and Saturday. Susan Spady, Kool-Aid Days board member, says Jamaican Me Smile is also the new flavor. Jamaican Me Smile. I'm curious to see what people think the flavor Jamaican really tastes like. It's a mixed berry flavor. I'm very curious to see what people think of it. There's 20 flavors going to be on the Kool-Aid stand. Along with the new flavor, Saturday is the historical downtown Hastings bus tour. Get on the Grand Island party bus and go from different locations at Lachlan to Hastings Museum downtown. And you can jam out to some reggae music on the party bus. Or you can get on a bus and take in the historical sites of Hastings, Nebraska. This year's Grand Parade will be Saturday at 9 a.m. featuring marching bands all across Nebraska and the Kool-Aid Man to help kick off a big day of activities. The remains of twins who joined the Navy together have been returned to Lincoln for burial decades after their deaths on a battleship at Pearl Harbor. The Lincoln Journal Star reports that two ceremonies will be held in succession Saturday at Lincoln Memorial Cemetery for Rudolph Blitz and his brother Leo Blitz. There will be two flag-covered caskets, two 21-gun salutes, two invocations, two flags presented to their surviving sister's 93-year-old Lincoln resident, Betty Pitch. Her DNA contribution helped bring her older brothers home. The 17-year-old twins left Lincoln High to join the Navy in 1938 and had been stationed at Pearl Harbor for a year and a day before the USS Oklahoma went down during the December 7, 1941 attack by Japan. The remains were buried at a Honolulu cemetery and then were identified after being unearthed in 2015. A thunderstorm that moved through central Nebraska left thousands of people in the Hall County area without electricity and streets flooded. Damage was also evident at the Husker Harvest Day grounds west of Grand Island, according to Roger Libby, HHD operation manager. A lot of our stuff that uh, used to be on the north side is now on the south side. So it took a couple buildings, uh, smaller ones, uh, Central Community College, and took them off the foundation and moved them two blocks and put them on their top. So it was uh, it was quite a windstorm. It was an unusual storm. It was turbulent. It, it seemed like it'd come one way and then the other. It was it was really weird. Uh, I've never seen a straight wind do this kind of damage where it, it kind of went circular. But. 
The National Weather Service says a rainfall total of 3.9 inches was reported Wednesday morning at Bolus in Howard County, and more than two inches of rain fell on parts of Grand Island, flooding and closing several underpasses for a time. Wind gusts of up to 87 miles per hour was reported at the Central Nebraska Regional Airport in Grand Island. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Laird. Some updated health paper requirements for the Nebraska State Fair. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Bill Angel is Livestock Superintendent for the Nebraska State Fair, and he and I caught up about the new 48-hour requirement that is needed for showing livestock this year. Yes, uh, because of the uh, the VS uh, outbreak, uh, which is vesicular stomatitis, and that uh, happens in hor- happened in horses, um, we now have several states that have positive uh, animals. Uh, those states are uh, Colorado, Texas, New Mexico, Wyoming, Oklahoma, and now and now Nebraska. And and so because of that, we become federally mandated that we have that, that the exhibitors have 48-hour health certificates. Um, they must have those animals uh, or that health certificate written by their vet 48 hours before they come onto the grounds. Um, and and then uh, if if like and I think you know uh, we talked about that anybody that shows sheep. Uh, and the first weekend, they'll take them home. They want to come back for 4-H and FFA. They will have to have another 48-hour uh, health certificate. And and this is not not state fair, but it's it's state and federal mandates. And and it's strictly for the protection of livestock and people. Um, just briefly, VS is a virus that can be uh, spread by flies. Mosquitoes, uh, as well as you know, direct contact, and so it uh, it does pose threats to to the animals um, if they're exposed. So uh, it's not just horses that have to have the 48-hour uh, health certificate, but all animals that are susceptible to the virus. I think most people are are concerned about the health of their animals. Um, and and they do have a good relationship with their vet and and uh, the veterinarians are obviously very important particularly in these kinds of situations so that um, you know they their their main goal is the health of that animal uh, in any animals that they would come in contact with and another unique area is the junior open class that is offered ahead of the 4-H FFA weekend oh absolutely and and you know, we've tried to, you know, like we've added a, a junior breeding show in, in sheep and cattle, um, trying to um, trying to get, you know, more juniors involved. Now, of course, you know, because school's in session, it, it becomes a little bit of a challenge for some uh, to be able to come. But um, we try to, you know, uh, try to get as many uh, as we can to come and and have the have the experience of being able to show in the open show and for many it's hard to believe they have been 10 years now at the site in grand island from from the standpoint of the nebraska state fair um you know the move from lincoln to here was was challenging 
Um, it was uh, some people didn't like it. Um, and so the first three or four years, um, we were trying to work through move in and move out and, and all the different changeovers and, and how, those, how to make those more efficient and everything. And, and so uh, I think it has evolved to where, um, you know, the exhibitors now understand um, what we're trying to do and, and we're trying to make it better for them. Uh, and and be able to produce a, a better show and and so I think uh, from that standpoint things have evolved to where everything's pretty efficient and and pretty good and the exhibitors really enjoy coming here now and producers like the off the show site for vet checks yeah that uh, uh, when when I came here we brought I brought that with me that uh, all the animals need to be checked prior to coming onto the fairgrounds. So if there is a problem, if there is uh, anything, we can catch it before they become in contact with other animals. And uh, so uh, for the livestock, we are we have a check-in trailer that is across the street in, in the Bronx, what we call the Bronx lot. Uh, for equine, we have a check-in trailer uh, off of Stir Road, um, just east of uh, gate 8 and 9 uh, on the east side of the fairgrounds. And so everything is checked before it comes on the fairgrounds, um, and that, that just makes for a better environment. And the ease of registration literally is just a mouse click away. Right, yeah. Uh, everything is done online. Um, we've got that perfected, I think, to where um, it's it's pretty easy and... and uh, but anybody can do it now, and, and it doesn't take much time at all. Well, I think one of the things I'd like to, to say is, is we've got some new things going on down on the east end this year. Um, we're going to have a rough stock rodeo uh, Friday night and Saturday night of the first weekend. Um, that's new. And we're going to have polo match uh, that first Sunday down on the east end. That's new. Comments with Bill Angel. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to delve into the business world a little bit and look and see how markets are going around the world. And uh, we start with the Japanese Nikkei last night down, uh, actually up 77. We're all we're green across the board today. The Hang Seng up 124. The FTSE in London was up 88, and the German DAX index up 195. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up a healthy 328 points. The Nasdaq was up 150, and the S and P up. 46, so quite a change from where we were not so long ago. Bob Rogan in here with us. Yes, uh, banks were leading uh, financial stocks higher as bond yields gained ground following a sharp decline yesterday. Investors snapping up technology stocks in a signal that they're more willing to take on risk after several days of fleeing to safer holdings such as bonds. Microsoft rose 1.6% and Oracle rose 1.9%. Other headlines out there today. A California man has pleaded guilty in Florida to orchestrating a $1.3 billion fraud scheme that stole money from thousands of investors nationwide. Court records show 61-year-old Robert Shapiro pleaded guilty Wednesday in Miami to mail and wire fraud and tax evasion. He faces up to 25 years in prison at sentencing in October. 
The International Air Transport Association says passenger traffic grew by a solid 5% in June compared with the same month last year. Despite the impact of U.S.-China trade tensions, the airline industry group said Thursday today that June also saw a record load factor, a gauge of the percentage of seats filled per flight for the month of 84.4%. And dozens of immigrant workers have been released a day after being detained in the largest immigration raid in a decade in the U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement officials say 680 people were arrested in Wednesday's raids, but they're saying now the immigration lawyers are saying about uh, five busloads of people have been released. So there's some of the stories that we're watching today. All right, thank you, Bob. Hi, I'm Dewey Nelson, and we moved our South Pacific trip with Colette Guided Touring to January 21st of 2020. Explore the Great Barrier Reef. Visit the glacial fjords on New Zealand's South Island, cruise Sydney Harbor, meet Australia's wildlife up close, and discover the wonders of Aboriginal culture. To learn more, visit krvn.com or call 800-581-8942. Again, 800-581-8942. It's why they travel. Collect. What are some of the nation's business owners saying about President Trump's newly announced tariffs on $300 billion in goods imported from China and sold on U.S. shelves? On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting. Tariffs Hurt the Heartland is a nationwide campaign against tariffs, and they hosted a conference call yesterday with CEOs and business owners from across the country. They discussed the impact on their businesses, employees, consumers, and the overall economy. Starting with Jay Foreman, he's the CEO of Basic Fun Toys out of Florida, and he provides an overview of how the tariffs would impact his business. We face the scheduled 10% additional tariffs in uh, list four. We will have no choice but to either absorb the cost of the tariffs and therefore reduce our profit, the profits of our company, or pass the cost through to our customers and the consumers, thus causing prices at retail to rise. Agriculture groups like the American Farm Bureau have called on the president to get an agreement done quickly, adding that they're grateful for the market facilitation payments, but said the aid cannot last forever. Foreman shares his perspective on the payments. What I'd like to emphasize as much as the tariffs and where the money comes from, which others before me have stated, is in fact where the money will go. It won't go for roads and bridges. It won't go for schools and military defense or to fight domestic terrorism. No, it will be given to the agriculture industry. The money is in the form of $16 billion and counting in subsidies, in a sense welfare, given to giant Wall Street agribusinesses by this president, along with wealthy farmers and a handful of small family farms. Why are the profits the hardworking people of my and other companies being stolen from us and the state of Florida in the form of lost tax revenue and given away to giant corporations on Wall Street and Iowa farmers. Why? Well, there is no reason for this. The farmers don't need and don't want handouts. They want open markets just like we do. This round of tariffs hurt us and it will hurt every American consumer even more than it already has. When addressing how to move these companies' supply chains and the risks involved in the process, American Textile Company CEO Lance Ruttenberg shared his thoughts. And the way we look at it is it's a catch-22. Who wants to make an investment with the uncertainty in our tariff policy? I'm curious where Vietnam and 
India and the other countries that we actually do business with that hedge some of the work we have in China, why would they invest when the tariff policy could be reversed in the same fashion it was employed? And they will be left with machinery that can't be used that now has been brought back to its original source. We are struggling with what would motivate or what circumstances would somebody actually make long-term investments in their infrastructure to combat this tariff policy? We see no, no pathway to that. Joe Shamey is the president of Delta Children in New York, and he addressed how safety and training influence his supply chain relocation. We have moved some production to Vietnam and Indonesia. Number one, they don't have the infrastructure to produce the quantities that are needed. Number two, they don't have the training to produce a safe product. It is almost ludicrous to think that overnight we can move all of that production over there and overnight we can train these people to do so. Overnight we can get the machinery that makes it makes a safe product. That again was from business owners and CEOs who took part in a Tariffs Hurt the Heartland conference call. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to take a look at the closing grains with market analyst John Payne, senior market analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Soybean sharply higher, is this just squaring up positions ahead of Monday's report? Exactly, combined with some forecasts that are pretty dry out this way. So if the, if the heat had maybe 10 degrees hotter uh, where I sit right now, I think the market would, would have rallied a lot more off of it. But we're dry, you know. It's, um, it's a little bit of a stealth drought, so to speak, given how wet we were early in the year. But, you know, anywhere west to east of here, if you drive all the way to, you know, like I've been saying, like the Ohio border, you're going to see corn that's very, very thirsty. And we're getting rains here and there, but it's nothing real heavy. So um, the forecast now are pointing to a more hot and dry next week, really hot, specifically this more southern acres. Uh, and that, that's going to be bad for dryland corn. So I don't know if the USDA will cop to that in the next report or not, but I uh, wouldn't be shocked to see Monday you get a kind of a double whammy of bullish news. If you get a good acreage number combined with a good uh, good crop progress report right after it, we could we could see some fireworks. Now, we did see an inversion in the Treasury yields once again. Some say that signals deflation, but overall, if, as infl- deflation goes, so do in- institutional investors step away from the commodities. Yeah, I think that's part of it. At least the knee-jerk in the short term is for them to sell off based off growth. But, you know, I look at gold, and gold's a pretty good indicator here of what the, what the money flow could do. And, you know, in the long run here, everything that's been going on, you notice that when the U.S. cut rates, all of a sudden everybody behind them start to cut rates, India... Thailand, you know, a lot of these southeastern Asian countries, I imagine Australia will be right behind it, Canada will be right behind it. This is all bullish for commodities longer term. It's, it's, a, it's an inflation trade. Everybody's trying to get to the bottom of the currency markets to sell exports, but in reality, all it's going to do is just inflate the global prices for everything. And that's not a that story that's going to take place right away. But over the long run, that's what's going to happen here. I think uh, it's irrefutable, in my opinion, to say that you can print all this money without a repercussion. And the repercussion will be the twofold. An equities crash or the commodity or the uh, CRB commodity input index rallying. And i got to expect it's going to be the, rally, the rather, given that City Hall really doesn't want stock prices to fall at this point. Going forward, then, is it a sit and wait and just see what happens Monday? I, I would. I mean, if you're uncertain here... It, the the at the money calls and puts on corn are trading for about twenty three cents combined. So 
that tells me you're looking at 440 up front on the on the December contract as a high, and it's priced all the way down to four dollars uh, in the in the downside. So to get beyond that, we're going to have to see a real shocker. I don't think we're going to get that kind of report yet. I really don't. I think um, you know maybe we get some some acreage, but I doubt they drop the yield. If acreage is low, if the acreage is high, maybe they bring the yield down. So I would be very careful here. John Payne, Daniel Zag Marketing. Find more DanielZagMarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Well, that's going to do it for our midday show here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com or go to our KRVN app.